Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen, amen. Lots of good stuff uh, happening at Word of Life. And we've been talking for the last two weeks, I believe it is, um, out of the scripture in 3 John 2 that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health, even as your soul prospers. And, you know, Pastor, Pastor Daniel has prefaced each week um, by saying we're going to talk about prosperity, but we're not going to focus on giving and we're not going to uh, take up an offering. Well, I'm not taking up an offering today, but I'm going to focus on giving. And I'm not doing this so that I can take up an offering. That is not the uh, objective today. Um, but I think it's something that we need to, to discuss. And I believe that God's given us some really valuable things in the scripture uh, that we can bring out today. So I ask you this uh, before we get started. And I know this is a little different, but I ask you this, that you open up your heart to receive from God today. Um, I hope that you do that every time that we come together. I hope that you don't have any preconceived ideas about what's going to be said um, or what the, uh, what the meaning behind the meaning is. I think sometimes when we bring up this subject that we always have this, this block in our mind in church about the, the meaning behind the meaning. And I want us to take the word of God today at face value. Can we do that? Amen. You guys with me today? Yeah. All right. Um, I also don't have a lot of time to, um, to be gentle, and so um, we're going to have just an overall spirit of gentleness, and I'm just going to say what needs to be said. Is that okay today? Can we do that? Okay. I like the feedback. You guys are doing good. It's going to be a little bit of preach today, so I hope that's okay too. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you're alive and that you live in us. God, I thank you today that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness in the pages of the Bible. I also thank you that you sent Jesus to us, who was the word made flesh, that he spoke, and as he spoke, he only said what you told him to say. And I thank you for that. And then, as he ascended into heaven, you gave us the Holy Spirit to quicken truth to our life, to speak to our heart. And so today, we call upon the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us on the inside of us, that the words that are said, they not be my words, but God, they be your words, so that no one's faith will stand in the wisdom of a man, but it'll stand in the power.
power of Almighty God. And we give you thanks and praise today. In the name of Jesus, everybody say it with me. Amen. When we say amen, you can't say amen and a woman. Did you know that? It's not like that. It's uh, Somebody's famously said that on uh, one, of, one of our um, esteemed elected officials said that on TV one time, and um, just trying to be gender neutral. It's not what it means at all. Really what amen means is it means a stamp of approval. It means that I agree with this, or so be it. So when we say amen, you're saying I agree with what was stated, and I, I, I believe that it's going to be put to practice in my life. So can we say it? Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Third John Chapter 1, verse 2. Sometimes we'll just say 3 John 2 because it only has one chapter in it. But 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I want to bring out a couple definitions, and we've read that every week of this series. But I want to bring out a couple of things. First of all, the word prosper, it means to be on a good road. And so sometimes we get this idea that prosperity is like X amount of dollars and you fill in the blank, right? Because that's different for everybody. Well, that person's prosperous, but I'm not prosperous, maybe is what you would say. But the word prosperity there, it just means to be on a good road, to be on a good path, to be headed in the right direction. Beloved, I wish above all things, I pray above all things that you may prosper or be on the road that you're supposed to be on, that you're traveling in the direction that you're supposed to travel, that you prosper and that you be in good health. Next week, we're going to talk about the health portion, and we're going to bring out what God wants for us in regards to our health. Amen? I wish or I pray that you prosper in all things and that you be in health just as your soul prospers. That word soul, it's speaking of your inner being or your heart or the center of the man. Now, it differs from the word spirit. When we're talking about spirit, we're talking supernatural. Now, yes, man has a spirit. We have a soul. We have a body. There's three dimensions or, or, or three separate parts that make up the whole of man, just like there's three separate parts that make up the whole of God. But when it's talking about soul here, it's talking about our heart. So when you say like, I'm just speaking from the heart, what are you saying? I'm just speaking from my soul here. I'm just speaking from the center of me, from way down deep on the inside of me. He says, I want your soul to prosper. In other words, I want your entire being, the very center of you, to prosper. Our soul stays on a good road when we change our thinking or our mind or the thing that controls us when we begin to change that to the things of God. And we're going to dig into that saying today that it changes when we begin to change the way we think to the way that God thinks. When we see the world the way that God sees the world, when we begin to love, my, my life completely changed the day that I was praying right up here. This was, oh, it was probably 15 years ago now. 
I was praying, and I said, God, teach me to love the way that you love. I can tell you this, that I still don't love every day the way that God loves, because he's continuing to show me that. He's continuing to teach me that. The things that he's teaching me today, I wasn't ready to hear 15 years ago. I wasn't ready to hear five years ago. But as I continue to grow in the things of God, then God begins to reveal more and more and more of his character in my life. Amen? Our soul stays on a good road when we change our thinking to be like his. God's desire is that we prosper or stay on a good road, that we're healthy, even as our mind stays on him, as our desires are his desires, and our emotions are governed by him, not governed by our circumstances, right? As we're controlled on a daily basis, by him and his purposes and his plans. I think Debbie said it so eloquently today that sometimes we just got to do it in faith, right? Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes it doesn't look like it's going to do any good. Sometimes we just aren't in the right frame of mind, but we step out in faith because we've chosen to change our thinking to line up with his thinking, amen? Prosperity is having abundance to fulfill the purpose. We must align our desires with him. Now, there's a lot of teaching on prosperity out there, and I don't know what teaching you've heard and what teaching you haven't heard, but prosperity is simply having an abundance to do what God has called you to do. This idea, this teaching that goes around sometimes, and I just want to address it head on, that every Christian, I don't know if you've heard this before, but there are some that say that like every Christian should have a million dollars. How ludicrous is that? Every Christian should have a million dollars. First of all, not every one of you can handle a million dollars. I'm just going to be straight up. If you had a million dollars, you would act a fool, right? Because you don't have vision to back up your pocketbook, right? But some of you, you've been called to do something way bigger and way greater, and you need way more than a million dollars. Amen? Why would we limit a limitless God? Why would we say and put some kind of dollar amount and number on what we think we need? I believe this. God gives us purpose, and then he gives us resources to fulfill the purpose. Amen? That's prosperity. That's being prosperous. And so I can't look at somebody because of a dollar amount or because of a vehicle that they drive or a place that they live and say they're prosperous or they're not prosperous. I'm not qualified to do that. Are they fulfilling what God called them to do? Are they doing what God has chosen them for, what he has handpicked them for? Are they making an impact in the world around them? If they are, then they are prosperous. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. And I added a couple verses here. And so you might want to scan the QR code when it pops up again. And I've got a lot of chicken scratch and gibberish on there that means something to me and not you. Sorry about that. You probably can't read it anyway. But Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Say, delight yourself. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Say, God will give me the desires of my heart. Say it again. God will give me the desires of my heart. See, traditionally in church, that's a shout line, right? That's like a cue. We have like applause 
pop up on the screen whenever we say that. Let's run around the room. Let's shout. It's time to wave a hanky, spit a little bit, because God will give me the desires of my heart. But first, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? That word delight means to be soft and to be pliable. So in other words, when we're willing to be molded by the master, then he'll give us the desires of our heart. When we're willing to be shaped into his image, when we're willing to have our plans take a back seat to his plans, then he'll give us the desires of our heart. That word also means to be luxurious. Some of y'all are thinking, now you're speaking my language right there. I can be luxurious. To be luxurious means to be comfortable and excellent. So if we delight ourselves in the Lord, we're soft and we're pliable to where we're comfortable in his presence, to where we're comfortable in his calling, to where we're comfortable and we're excellent when we're in the secret place of the Most High God. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. To delight yourself then he'll give you the desires of your heart. I would submit to you that if I'm soft and pliable and comfortable and excellent in the place of God and the holy place of him, if I meet those qualifications, then my desires are lined up with his desires. And when he gives me the desires of my heart, it's the things that I'm passionate about because he placed his passions in me. Amen. When he's giving me the desires of my heart, it's maybe not the traditional things that I would desire before. We come from a, a background that, that pastor talks about um, quite a bit, the, the word of faith. And maybe you've heard um, the, those words and, and um, it's not something that we talk about a ton, but I know that pastor has alluded to it, and we, we most definitely believe the word of faith. That's based on Mark 11, 23 and 24, that when we speak, we activate the faith of God, and when we speak, mountains move. Amen? That's what the Bible says. That's the word of faith that we preach. Amen? Praise God. But the word of faith got a really bad rap, especially in maybe the late 90s, um, where people were walking around. And I went to, to Raymond Bible Training Center in uh, 2001, 2000, 2001, and then 2001, 2002. So in there, and one of the things that we heard a whole lot about is people that would walk around at car lots and start laying their hands on cars and claiming these cars. They would walk around houses and neighborhoods and be creepers and start speaking over these houses because the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our heart. said, whatsoever thing you ask when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. I would submit to you this, that if you read this scripture, that God will give you the desires of your heart and read that to mean that you can name and claim the new McLaurin Artura car, Right? Have you guys seen that? That is like off the hook. I don't know what, you, what your thing is. Maybe it's a cabin at Red River. May, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a new tricked out Can-Am. I don't know what like that thing is for you. But if you read this scripture, meaning to believe that you can go out and declaim these things as yours, then you have no idea what the heart of God is. You have no clue 
what the heart of God is. Now, I'm not saying at all, and I'll prove it to you. I'm not saying that you can't have those things, and you can't ask God for those things. It's not what I'm saying. But that's not what the scripture's talking about. Not at all. The heart of God is that you find your purpose, and you prosper in that purpose, and that you're in health in that purpose, even as your soul prospers. Amen? Praise God, even as your soul prospers. I don't want to limit a limitless God. Amen? Praise God. God will give us the desires of our heart when our heart is aligned with him. And the thing is that when our desires become his desires, we experience freedom in our life. You experience that that freedom and that overflowing in your life, but we have to recognize that the only reason that we have anything is because of the goodness of our Father. The only reason that we have anything is because of the goodness of our God. We were singing that song a second time. Um, I don't even know what that song's called. Thank you, Lord, or something. I played it last week. Um, You guys know what I was talking about. It just happened like 15 minutes ago. So think back, way back to about 15 minutes ago, that song that we sang. We were singing that song And God began to show me that he is well-pleased with those praises. And the reason why he's well-pleased, and he began to speak this to my heart, he took me to the passage where Jesus is being baptized by John. And when Jesus is in the Jordan River, the Jordan River represents a descending of heaven. As he's being baptized in the Jordan River by John, and he's raised up out of the water, A voice from heaven is what the scripture says. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The reason why God was well pleased in that moment is there was a surrender. There was a surrender. There was a saying and a thought in, in Jesus. Jesus was, yes, he was God on this earth, but he was all man. He can make his own choices. I mean, when when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he said, God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. When Jesus was tempted in, in the desert, as pastor referenced earlier, when he was tempted in the desert, he could have turned the stones into bread. He had a choice. He could have bowed down and worshiped Satan. He had a choice, right? But he chose to follow the will of his father. Amen? Praise God. See, but the thing is that when Jesus was baptized, he was saying, oh, it's no longer me. It's not me. I'm committing to the will of my Father. Today, as we sang, I got this picture of us committing to the will of our Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I didn't save myself. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Why? Because I didn't bless myself. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I couldn't forgive myself. I couldn't attain righteousness on my own. It wasn't anything that I did. But I recognize today that everything is because of you. Everything I have is because of you. Your blessing, and I want you to get this today. Write it down. Put it in your notes app. Your blessing is not based on you giving. Your blessing is not based on you giving. Some would say that as we give, we unlock the blessing of God. No, the blessing of God is on you because you're a child of God. 
because you said, Jesus, come into my life. Your blessing is not based on you giving. But your continual overflowing is based on your obedience with the blessing. The continual overflowing in your life is based on your obedience with the blessing. See, God's gonna bless you regardless, but you wanna continue to be blessed to overflowing? Then give. Then give. Then be obedient with what God has entrusted to you. I wanna give this example, and as I was preparing this message, did you hear that right now? I just said preparing, like there was no G in that word. Um, that's one of those Oklahoma things that come out. We've got friends from Oklahoma. You guys can attest to this. Every now and then, the Oklahoma just comes out of me, and I can't help it. We were, as I was preparing this message, God placed this on my heart, and, and I would like Angela to come up here real quick. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I'd like you to come up here real quick. So God put me on, put you on my heart last night. And I have a gift for you. So this is $100, two $50 bills, all right? You guys see it? It's not like a magic trick. I'm not like, see, they're not fake. Here's $100, and it's yours. That's blessing. Amen? Praise God, kind of hug. Stay up here. Uh, Sherry. Adorami, come here. Angela, will you give $50 to Sherry? That was easy. It wasn't hard at all, right? Because when Angela came up here, she didn't have $100 in her hand. But I gave her $100 because God instructed me to. And so I gave her $100, but she didn't have any issue at all giving Sherry $50, right? No issue at all. Why? Because she didn't do anything to earn it. She didn't do anything to deserve it. It's just a blessing. It's a blessing that was meant to pass through her hands. Sherry, love you. Thank you. you can have a seat. Angela, I have $150 more that I'm going to give to you, but I want you to take 50 of it, and I want you to just bless someone this week, whatever it is, and the rest is yours to do whatever you would like with, and really, I don't know what you're going to do with it. You could just blow me off and not do anything with it. <laughs> the blessing's yours, but when we give and we're obedient with the blessing, then more blessing comes through us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Love you, friend. Amen. When we'll give, when we're obedient with the blessing, God trusts us with more. Angela could have just kept the $100 and said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to go and give away any of that. But when she does, then the blessing. Amen. Amen then the blessing just continues to flow and flow and flow. We talk about those other things. Maybe your desire is to have that cabin at Red River. Those are all things that I want, by the way. That's why I picked those things. 
Maybe that's your, that's your desire. Maybe. But what I need to do is follow purpose. I need to be obedient. And as I'm obedient with the blessing, then God gives and gives and gives. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It's not mine anyway. It's not, I didn't do anything for that. You would say, yeah, well, you go out and you work and you earned it. There was a, um, in a, in a political campaign, um, and I'm not saying like that I support one side or the other side or whatever, so don't read into this. I don't wanna hear rumors or see it on, on Facebook or whatever. But several years ago, President Obama said, and I'm gonna paraphrase it very poorly here, um, but he said something to the effect of, if you're out there and you're earning money, you didn't do that by yourself, you had help. And he was talking about the infrastructure and all of the things that taxpayers pay for and then incentives from the government and all of those things, right? He was saying, you didn't do it on your own. You had help getting that. And then his opponent came out and said, and came out with this commercial that was, I'm sorry, Mr. President, but I earned this. I'm sorry, Mr. President, but I did this, but I built my business, but I... And there's a stark contrast there, right? Well, I'm here to tell you this, politics aside, I don't care which side of that you agreed with or didn't, don't really care at all, but I'm telling you this, that anything that you have, God gave you, amen? God gave it to you. I have it today, I have the ability to work today because God gave it to me. I have breath in my lungs today because God gave it to me. I have a house today because God gave it to me. It's not mine anyway, it's, it's my responsibility as a result of what God's done for me to obey him when he tells me to do this or to do that with the things that he's given me and I don't have to worry about it too much because I know if he gave it to me once, he's gonna give it to me again. Amen? Praise God. I didn't do anything to deserve it the first time. I'm a bonehead, you guys. That's really bad when it comes from your wife. I expected it to be, no, babe, you're not. You're great. The blessing is not based on you giving. The blessing is based on your position in the kingdom. Amen? But you're overflowing is based on your obedience to the blessing. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. The key to prosperity, I believe this, that the key to prosperity is obedience. And we must renew our mind to his way of thinking. We need to position ourselves to prosper. Position ourselves to prosper. What do I mean by that? Jesus tells a story in Mark chapter four. Some would call this the parable of the sowers. Some call it the parable of the soils. I think it's kind of all of the above. It's talking about the sower. It's talking more about the soils. A lot of it's talking about the plant. But Jesus tells this story, and the first thing that he says in this story is the sower sows the word. You can find it and follow along in, in uh, Mark chapter four. Well, oh, I couldn't say those words. Mark chapter four, verse 14. The sower sows the word. The responsibility that I have today is to sow the word. Now, I don't know what kind of soil you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. I would hope 
that today we've got a lot of good ground in here that's gonna grow up and produce fruit, but I just don't know. But my responsibility is not to figure all that out, it's just to sow the word. The sower sows the word. And then it says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear the word, sower did his job. When they hear the word, Satan comes immediately for the, and, and takes away, I'm sorry, takes away the word that was sown in their heart. See, these people right here, they're the very first kind that was said. These are the people that were sown in by the wayside and the enemy came and immediately stole the word. They didn't even receive it. The sower sowed it, but they didn't even receive it. Every other kind of soil that's mentioned in this passage, it says they received it. This person or these people didn't even receive it. See, some of us are not prospering because we're not receiving seed. Some of us are not prospering because we're not making church a priority. Some of us are not prospering because when we're here, we're more concerned about what we're gonna eat after we leave than we are in hearing the word of God. Some of us are not receiving the word of God even when we have opportunity when the sower is sowing the word and then we wonder why we're not prosperous. And sometimes we blame God because God's blessing this person and that person, but we didn't come with an open heart. Some kind, sometimes we came just to see who we could see at church. Sometimes we come with a judgmental attitude and we can't stop thinking all during church about how this person or that person shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing that, and we're not receiving the word. Just because you're sitting in these chairs today does not mean you're receiving what I'm saying. Sometimes we're not receiving the word and then we're angry when we're not prosperous. The sower's sowing the word. The sower is sowing the word. The second kind of soil that's mentioned in Mark chapter four is it says, likewise, these are the ones that are sown on the stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. When we see stony ground, that throws up a red flag for me. When I see rock, when I see stone, I think law, because in scripture we have a precedent that the stone means the law. When the word is sown on someone that has a law attitude, then yes, they receive it with gladness, but they can only endure for a time because there's going to be a time when persecution comes, when tribulation arises for the word sake. It says immediately they stumble. Why do they stumble immediately? Because when persecution arises, when tribulation arises, they think this must have happened in my life because I'm not right in my life. And they begin to have condemnation settle on them and the word is stolen. The word is stolen. When we have a mentality that I have to attain my righteousness, through the things that I do. When we see things that happen, we think, well, I must not have done it good enough. And if I must not have done it good enough, then I don't know if I can continue to do this. This is a standard that I can't meet. Grace says that Jesus met the standard. 
And if Jesus met the standard in you, then you're righteous in him. So when tribulation arises, persecution arises for the word's sake, I can stand tall and I can say the enemy can come, but Jesus in me has overcome and he has empowered me to live victorious over these issues and these situations, these problems. I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. I am favored by God. They have no root in themselves. They don't understand the price that Jesus had paid because of a law mentality. The law mentality says you can't live up to the word that you receive. We can preach and preach and preach, but a law mentality says you can't live up to that word that was spoken. And immediately, It's stolen. So these are the ones, the third kind of soil, these are the ones that are sown among the thorns. When they hear the word, see again, they heard the word. It says the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enter in and they choke the word out and it becomes unfruitful. I was reading this week about that part of the, of the passage, and a great uh, Bible scholar, his name's Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon wrote uh, an excellent paper about this particular verse. And one thing that he said in that paper was he said, grace is exotic, but thorns are indigenous. Think about that. Grace is exotic, thorns are indigenous. Thorns were there long before you even knew what grace was. The thorns have been there for a long time. They're native. Thorns are native to your life. It's called your sin nature. Thorns have been there for a while. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes daily to get those thorns out of your life. Daily. I've said this a couple of times, and I'll say it again. I've made a practice in my life over the last several months to nearly every single day, I sit and I reflect on the day. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, whatever it may be, I sit and I reflect on the day. I think about what happened today. Where did I see God today? Where did I doubt God today? I mean, are we being real? Where did I doubt God today? Where did I live Christ today? Where did I not live Christ? Where did I react out of love? And where did I react out of my flesh nature? What are the thorns that I need to pluck? One of the things that really taught me this is, I talk a lot about my backyard. That's like my space. That's like, it's like I don't know if outside can be a man cave, but that's like my man cave. And I have, I have an outdoor kitchen out there, and I have, I actually just got two more TVs so I could watch more games at one time. I have, I'm, I'm excessive, I'm excessive, all right? But I, so I've got this spot, well, I've got, I've got gardens, I've got flowers all over the place. I've planted those things. They weren't native to my yard. I planted those things. A lot of them are doing really well now. Some of them have spread and are popping up in all kinds of different places. I saw one plant that I had like on one side of my yard and it started popping up on another side of my yard and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. I like it over there. But every now and then in there, not every now and then, let's be real, all the time, weeds pop up. So something I do about every day, about every other day, 
as I'm outside and I'm reflecting on the day and I'm praying and sometimes I just got my phone out there looking at my flowers and I see weeds and I pull them out because I don't want them to spread. They were native to the yard. They were there before anything else. So they just keep popping up. Even though I take care of my yard, they just keep popping up. And so I pull them and I'm like, no, you can't stay there. You don't belong there. But if I leave them alone, guys, I was gone for a week and it rained a lot when I was gone that week. There are so many weeds. And I pull them like every couple of days. But a week and rain, sometimes we pray for the rain. Sometimes we pray, God, rain down your blessings. You know what else comes with rain? Weeds. Thorns. Right? I haven't had stickers in my yard in years. That rain brought stickers to my yard. Rain. God, rain your presence down on me. How come everything gets so hard? Because you didn't pull the weeds out when the rain came. Do we want to be prosperous in our life? Sometimes the word was sown and you received it and the flowers look great, but you also didn't take I have one flower bed. It's got these big cannas in it and it's spectacular but I didn't take care of the weeds in it. And so all, there's so many cannas, it's so thick, but all around there's all these weeds and I can't get to them all. I just, it's out of control. It bugs me to no end because I don't wanna lose the cannas, but I, don't, I can't get to all the weeds and I don't want it to look the way that it does, but it's out of control because if we leave it alone and we don't do what we need to do, yeah, you're gonna have some blessing in your life, but you're gonna have a lot of weeds in there too that come in and eventually what are they gonna do? Choke the word out. They're gonna choke the word out. Sometimes those things are the cares of the world. Sometimes those things are the deceitfulness of riches. Sometimes those things are the desire for other things. See, they're all things that we elevated in our life above the word of God. Yeah, the word of God is good. And we think, man, I love the word of God. And I, I don't only go to church on Sunday, but I also listen to Stephen Furtick and Mike Todd on Monday because I'm like ready to go, right? I got elevation worship on heavy rotation on my Spotify. I'm like, I'm there, but you're not taking care of your weeds. You're not taking care of your weeds. Yeah, you're receiving the word with gladness, but it's not number one. It's not number one. And when it's not number one and you're not taking care of your weeds, eventually it's gonna choke the word out and it's gonna become unfruitful. But these are the ones that are sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. I believe this, that we need to position ourselves by understanding who Jesus is, by growing in that understanding every day. Pray every morning, God, show me more about what it means that Jesus died on the cross for me. Show me more about what it means that Jesus rose from the dead. Show me more of how to love like you, that we're growing in our understanding of who God is and the price that Jesus paid for us, that we're elevating Jesus above all else. And when those thorns and those weeds pop up, we're pulling them out. What are you doing? You're positioning yourself for prosperity. 
You're positioning yourself. So I'm not gonna get clouded. I'm gonna hear the voice of God clearly. I'm positioning myself for prosperity. The key to unlocking the life of prosperity is to be a giver. I need to hear the voice of God clear. I need to trust God so that I can give when he tells me to give. To be a giver. Sometimes when that blessing comes because we're not in the right place, in the right frame of mind, sometimes we have a tendency to want to secure the blessing, to want to grab the blessing and pull it really tight to us and hold on to it and put it in a storehouse and lock it away and I need it for a rainy day. And The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, do not lay for yourself Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. See, here's that heart thing again. I'm receiving the word with my heart. I'm growing because I've received the word in my heart. It's that heart thing again. Many of us securing the blessing, it's a, it's a poverty mentality and not a prosperity mentality. I'm not willing to let go because I don't know when I might need that. We were going through some things yesterday in our house because um, we, we've needed to redo our laundry room for a long time and our hands have been kind of forced to redo our laundry room. So we were in the middle of this yesterday and we had to clean out because the laundry room is where everything goes that we don't know what to do with. So basically it's all this, you have it in your house too. It's all the things that you don't know what to do. Don't judge, all right? You don't know what to do with, just put it in there. We're gonna need it one day, right? So we have this, this Tupperware container of keys, it's like, it's like this wide and, and like the keys are stacked about that high in it. It's about this wide. Can you guys see it? It's about that wide. Maybe like, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot of keys. I have no idea what those keys go to. I'm terrified to throw them away. <laughs> terrified. Because I don't know when I'm going to say, where is that key? So we called the kids in there. Tiffany said, do we get rid of this? And I said, no, we can't get rid of it because... What if something's in there that we need? She goes, we've been saying that for 10 years. I'm like, I know, but we're gonna need it. And I'm not that way. I throw things, if I haven't looked at it in two days, out the door. But we called the kids in there and I said, hey, I just want, Brooklyn can attest. Brooklyn had to yell. She was all, hey, family meeting. It's a family meeting because we didn't know where Connor was. So the kids gather up and I said, okay, guys, we were gonna wait until we die to tell you this in our will, but I'll tell you now. Me and mom have a box that we've been stashing money away in. And um, I don't know, there's a lot of money in there. One of these keys opens it. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. The kids rolled their eyes that they had to look away from their phones for a minute to be able to have that conversation with us, but anyway, when we store up treasures on earth, they can be taken away. When we store up treasures in heaven, they're forever. I wrote this down because it says, 
Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. But it says when you lay up treasures in heaven that thieves don't break in and steal because they can't with your spiritual blessings. But I thought about this. I've had th- have you ever had anything stolen? I've had things stolen before. Man, it's like a, it just it hits you, right? It just makes you like sick to your stomach. But I thought about this. I don't have to worry about thieves when I understand that it didn't come from me anyway, it came from God. God gave it to me to begin with. And if God gave it to me to begin with, he can give it to me again. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. My son, give attention. I love this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. His teachings are what? They are life to those who find them. They are health to all of your flesh. So keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Beloved, I wish above all things, right, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul, even as your heart prospers. You don't need to be locking up the blessing. You need to be locking up your heart. As you lock up your heart, as your heart goes, so you go. Amen? As your heart goes, so you go. Say that, as my heart goes, so I go. That was long. I'll say it again. As my heart goes, so I go. So he says, keep your heart with all diligence, not your stuff, keep your heart. For out of your heart springs the issues of life. And then he says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Speaking things that are contrary to the word of God damages your heart, so stop doing it. Damages your heart. Let's put, the, that's, that's what the word perverse means, is twisting something, twisting something. Let's not twist things. Let's not twist the word of God. Let's not twist God's plan for our life, but let's focus our attention on guarding and keeping our hearts. If you think you have to secure the blessing, you're not delighting in the Lord. You're not comfortable. But he says, delight in me. As you delight in him, you develop that place of comfort. They make fun of me because I say I'm closing and then I have like 45 minutes left. I'm closing right now. Did you know that Paul said, finally, brothers, two-thirds of the way through the book of Ephesians? So it's very biblical to have a long closing. Paul did it. And if Paul did it, then I can do it. I'm in good company, so... Giving is the heart of our Father. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This is good, you guys. Hereby perceive we the love of God. I'm reading it in the King James Version, um, and I, in a way, I apologize about it, but I want you to see this. He says, hereby we perceive the love of God, or this is how we see the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have a need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, when we see our brother in need, if you have things of this world, we're not just talking about spiritual blessing here, but if you have things of this world, you see your brother in need and you don't bless him, 
then he says, how is the love of God in you? How can we even see that the love of God's in you if you're not a giver, if you're not giving? But I love how it says it because it says, and you shut up your bowels of compassion. Guys, I'm not being crude here. I'm just reading the Bible. When it says you shut your bowels of compassion, the blessing was meant to flow through you, not stay in you. It was meant to flow through you. But I think we have a lot of unhappy, uncomfortable Christians walking around because they're bloated and they're constipated because they shut the bowels of compassion. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It was meant to flow through you. Then he says, my little children, let us love not the world. Let us love not the world. I'm sorry, I even read that wrong. I was so excited. My little children, I was, I, I was gonna continue and I was like, something's not right here. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So in other words, don't just say it, do it. Your blessing was not meant to store up. It was meant to pass through. Did you know this? We have a lot of messed up stuff in our world today because Christians have shut off the bowels of compassion. We're called to be compassionate. We're called to show the love of God. Whenever we pass on our compassion that we're supposed to have towards one another to a government entity, they're gonna mess it up every time. Every single time. I believe this, that we should have never passed on the caring for the poor. We should have never passed on the caring for the people who are unemployed, for refugees. We should have never passed any of that on to the government. We want to see things that are messed up, pass it to a man system. This isn't a man system. This is a God system. But we shut the bowels of compassion. Anytime we hand over a job meant for the people of God to a system ran by men, it's gonna fail. It's gonna fail. I told this story before. I was privileged to set in um, several years ago in a meeting representing the city of Carlsbad uh, about the, the homeless problem in, in Carlsbad. And we all know that we still have a lot of people who are who are homeless and a lot of people who are hurting, a lot of people who are broken. But when I sat in that meeting, the mayor gathered together, to his credit, he gathered together many people who had things on their heart at that time that had not come to fruition. But they had things on their heart that he had been made aware of. And he brought them all in one room. And he didn't say, we're the city, let's do these things. He said, What's on your heart, and is there a way we can help? I want to facilitate the meeting. Because of that meeting, Hope Center had not started yet. Faith, Hope, and Love was barely started. Lifehouse had not started. Uh, there's a feeding program um, every Saturday. I believe they still do it down at Martin Luther King Park. These are all private entities private individuals that are coming together and reaching out to our community. Well, the mayor gathered together all of these, these people and said, you guys all have ideas. Let's all talk. And so I was privileged to be able to sit in that room. And it was, 
I mean, top five strongest presence of God I have ever felt in my life in a room in City Hall and revival was breaking out in that room because people of God were speaking the things of God and caring for those that we're called to care for. In that meeting, I believe Hope Center, if I remember right, Hope Center needed some things um, that, that needed to be done um, on their property and they were having some, some trouble with it. And then one of the other groups spoke up and they said, we can take care of that for you. We've got that skill. We can take care of that for you. This wasn't government saying, we'll take care of it. It was two people that were being anointed by the, the, the Holy Spirit in that room that were working together. Divine connections were happening. Amen? Divine connections. And then what did the city end up doing out of all of that? Well, every year, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, um, but every year there are certain requests that are made before the city that are not city entities. Things like um, Carlsbad Schools, Boys and Girls Club, um, Hope Center, um, Lifehouse, I believe, has applied before, um, where you can come and you can apply for city funds. And we call those, I say we, um, they, it's really hard for me at times. Um, they they um, call those outside agency requests. And these are just things that benefit the city. Our city, every year, we invest in those programs. But it's no strings attached investment. They have to give a report, but we don't say you have to do it our way, you have to do it this way or that way. There's some other cities that do that. I'll tell you this, the state of New Mexico wants to do away with that. And the city of Carlsbad will do it as long as as um, we're allowed to do it because it's something that we're investing in in our community, but it's not government pulling the strings. I know I don't talk about things like that a whole lot, especially up here because I don't think it's the place, but I'm very proud of the way that the city of Carlsbad does that because I think it's the right way. These are people that are called of God to do something and we don't need government to get in the way with, of it. People come and they say, well, we want the city to do this or the city to do that. No, I want the people of God to do it. And let's clear a path. I want the people of God to do it, to stand up and to give because that's what we're called to do. God has provided a lot of seed for us. He's provided a lot of seed, but a lot of times we're bloated because we've eaten our seed and called it blessing. It was meant to be a seed, not for food. It was meant to be a seed to sow. And we're like, oh, the blessing of God is raining down on us, but we're not sowing anywhere. We're not sowing anywhere. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six, and this is really where I close, for real, for real. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I love it, and I've said this before, but I love it in this passage because everyone who sows reaps. Everyone who sows reaps. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, but you reap. Maybe you're in a place right now where your trust level is sowing sparingly, don't feel condemned today. You'll reap. You'll reap because you sowed. He who sows sparingly, reap sparingly. Work your way up. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. 
Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not of necessity, because God loves a cheerful or a confident giver. I love it. God is, is saying, I love it when you're confident in what you give. I love it when you give confidently, when you know, then you understand and you give honor where honor is due and you say, God, I only have this because you gave it to me and so I sow it into your kingdom confidently. I am obedient to you confidently because I know, just like Angela handed Sherry that, that, that $50 bill confidently, confidently. I give confidently because God loves a confident giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things, here it is again, that you may have an abundance for every good work. What does that mean? That you may prosper. That you may prosper. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad. We can go ahead and have the worship team coming up. He is dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He's the God who supplies the seed and he provides the bread for food. And then the seed is multiplied. That's what he says next. May he supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. He supplies the seed. He multiplies the seed. He provides the bread. He provides the harvest. He provides the ability to go and get the harvest. He provides the vision. He provides the resources. Amen. Seed to the sower. Bread for food. And he'll multiply the seed that you've sown and increase the fruit of what? Your righteousness. We don't give to give. We don't give to get, is what I meant to say. We don't give to get. We give to give. We give because it's our nature. We give because it's the nature of our Father. We give because His Spirit is on the inside of us. We give because it's our purpose and our calling. We don't give to get. Is it wrong to get? No. No. God wants you to get. But he wants you to have purpose. He wants you to have purpose. The first thing I want to say today, and this is just a moment for you, Do you have a, a give goal that's beyond you? I don't need you to raise your hand or anything like that. I just want you to think about it. Do you have a give goal that's beyond you? And if you do, what are you doing to get there? Tiffany and I have a give goal. We have a few give goals, but one give goal that we have that I, I was actually just thinking about and kind of evaluating the other day is we have a goal to fully fund a missionary. Fully fund, that's, and that's beyond us right now. But what are we doing to get there? 
we have several missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. Some of them are missionaries that this church supports on a monthly. Some of them are just people that we know and we believe in. What are you doing to get there? Are you sowing seed to get there? Sometimes we just need to ask for God to provide some seed. When he provides a seed, don't eat it. Sow it. Sow it. Because he's providing you food also. Sow the seed. He's going to multiply that seed. So what's your give goal? You need to have one. If you don't have one, you need to have one. I can't tell you what that is. It's as you purpose in your heart. But make it something that you can't do right now. That's beyond you. And then make a decision. This is what I'm going to do to get there. I'm going to sow some seed. Where do I need to sow? What do I need to do? Let's go ahead and bring those lights down with everybody's head bowed, I just say this because, not because God needs your head bowed to hear you, but because I think it's respectful to those people that are around us. If you've never received Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior, I'd like you to invite you to do that. If you're watching online, I'm inviting you in to pray with us today. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Jesus Christ gave his life for you and loves you unconditionally. You're like, man, but you should see my life. I don't need to see it. God does, and he loves you. I can say that with full assurity, that God sees everything, and he sent his son to die for you. And so if today you want to receive that gift, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. What we're doing in this prayer, we've talked about it today quite a bit, that you're saying, God, I cannot do it on my own. I need your help. And you're inviting Jesus to come into your life. When you say, Jesus, come and be my Lord, you're saying, I recognize that your way is better than my way. So I'm gonna ask you to say this prayer with me. Whether you're watching online or you're in the house, I'm gonna ask everyone that's in here to say it with us as a show of support to our friends, our brothers, our sisters that haven't said it before. See, it's not about singling you out or making you feel uncomfortable or awkward. This is a you and Jesus moment that we get to share in. And so let's join with our brothers and sisters today and say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. And I give my life to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.